So today, Charles is going to be continuing the sermon series, When Walls Come Down. Join me in welcoming Charles. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone. Hey, the weather is getting warmer. It's nice, yeah? You liking it? Oh my gosh, it was so cold. (laughs) This is great. And I just want to highlight this River Partner meeting coming up next Sunday. You heard of some exciting things lined up for the church for the next six months. Tom Layden, who is in Colorado, who is kind of orchestrating all these exciting things from Colorado. He's flying in on his own dime. Isn't that crazy? In fact, has has a family event over the weekend. So, you know, it was kind of iffy whether he can come. But he just so wanted to be here. He's flying red eye to get here, spend uh, some time with us, and flying right back. Isn't that incredible? So he's like, uh, I mean, I think he's like more committed to this church than I am even. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we are here, right? And so if you are in New York City, you're a river partner, you want to be here this next Sunday. Uh, Next six months might be one of the most, I think it's going to be the most important period of time for us as a church in our history, probably. And so you want to hear about what you all lined up, and uh, it's exciting. So please, be here, okay? Sounds good? All right, let's get to the sermon. So last few months... It's been very exciting to talk about some big theological concepts, what God is doing, what God is up to with humanity from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. We've seen cemeteries. We've seen a lot of beautiful things, and that's been exciting. But for the next few months, we decided, hey, we want to take all those big concepts and we want to dial in. We want to talk about personal lives, what all those big concepts mean for us personally, specifically, locally, in 21st century in New York City. It's like Google Zoom, you see, just coming right down to, you know, our lives right here in 90 Trinity Place. You know, what do all these big concepts mean for us today? So this sermon series is called When Walls Come Down. So how do walls go up in our personal lives? What to do about it? What are we going to do? So those are the topics we are in. And today, what I want to talk about is dealing with pain. Pain. Anybody here who's had a painless life? Pain is a foreign concept. You never... Right? Everyone has had some painful experience experience in your life, something traumatic, something painful that has lingered with you, trauma, junior high, (laughs) right? Everyone is familiar with pain, right? Agreed? We've all had pain. Friendships can end. Even marriages can end. We can end up in an abusive relationship with someone that just... Turns out not to be trustworthy. We can end up with all kinds of pain. Life is not all joy every day. Pain is an intimate, almost everyday occurrence. It's a big part of life. Wouldn't you agree? And with pain, we put up walls. So pain isn't just... Some pain, they don't just end with the pain. 
it ends up causing problems on and on and on. I am familiar with pain in my life. Many of you know that I've had uh, difficult neurological sciatic pain for much of my life. Over 20 years, I had a skiing accident in my early 20s, uh, developed spinal issues, had sciatic pain down my leg uh, for much of my life, and now I also have neck disc, which causes radiating pain down my arm. It's 24-7 pain, neurological pain that just doesn't go away. And so I'm very familiar <laughs> with pain. It's a, a, a constant companion in my life. And it's difficult to deal with, pain. But pain is not the only thing. It, on top of pain, it's caused my life to shrink because it's, it's affected my functionality. Like last couple of years, uh, for example, I haven't been able to bend down to pick up things. You know, because with the spinal issues. And so that's prevented me from being able to cook, for example. That's one of the things I used to do for the family. It's something that I enjoy. And it's hard to cook when you can't bend to pick up things. And I, I couldn't walk for any length of time for the last couple of years. It's really made life smaller. You can feel the life shrinking with limited functionality. That's been hard. Well, that's not all. With pain comes emotional and relational difficulties. When you have chronic pain, you have to watch your thought life. Because all kinds of negative thoughts come up, and it's hard to deal with. So let me give you some examples of some of the thoughts that I've had to contend with as I deal with constant pain. So, here are some of them. And I don't want to dwell on them because these are painful thoughts, but, you know, here we go. I'm never going to get better because it's just taking so long. I'll be no good to anyone because it's so hard to, like, do things for anyone. I'm a burden because people have to kind of do things for me. I can't even put on socks, for example. To bend is difficult. Life is relentlessly difficult. Um, nobody understands what I'm going through. Just keep going. Where is God? Is God even there? Why is God doing this to me? What have I done wrong? Because we can kind of think, you know, I'm getting punished, or I must have done something wrong to experience all this. How can a good God do this to me? I am alone. Have you had any of these thoughts in your life, does any of this connect with you? you? Shake your fist at God. What's happening? I think if you're a human being, most of us have had thoughts like this at one time or another. It's only natural. So, as you can see, pain can lead to bitterness, despair, isolating thoughts, and that impacts my relationships with God, myself, people around me, right? You can tell. Walls go up. It's easy 
to feel like I want to just push people and God away. Because isn't God responsible? I mean, one traditional view of God is that God is omniscient, omnipresent. He controls everything. So he's responsible for all this pain. And, you know, it's easy to think of God as this uninvolved, uncaring God in the heavens, looking down, watching me. And uh, that's not easy to take. We can get mad at God, thinking of God that way. Because if that's the case, then God is responsible for my pain. And so you want to push God away, right? Can you relate to that? Maybe God is testing me. Have you heard that? That's one Christian answer to when bad things happen to good people. You know, God is testing you. You just got to hold on to faith, get through this time. Uh, that's what happened with Job, right? Have you heard of Job, book of Job? Job is this Wonderful human being, apparently. The Bible says he was, a blame, he was blameless in every way. I, I mean, I don't understand how a human being could be blameless in every way, but apparently, <laughs> as humanly as possible, he did everything right and had all the right doctrines and he was just perfectly righteous in every way. He was a perfectly good human being. But then one day, uh, angel of the Lord, Satan, in this case, uh, accuses Job of being good only because God is good to him. Accuses God as well in that, by that. And so Job ends up getting tested. And all these horrible things happen to him. I mean, any, every possible horrible thing you can think of happens to this guy. So all kinds of pain. gets tested. And I have to be honest with you, that is not a very comforting story, isn't it? Because why be good if being good leads to this kind of testing? Right? It's not fun to read about. I mean, whatever could be worth such suffering and disappointment and pain? I mean, have you thought that at all? reading that book, thinking about that. Others say uh, it will all turn out for the best. God is behind the curtain and He is orchestrating everything and it's all going to work out. We just don't see it. And that's another Christian answer, a religious answer, a pious answer. And, you know, that has its merit, helps us to hold on to faith. But, you know, when, in my case, like when you're dealing with like 24-7 constantly all the time for decades, it's hard to hold on to that kind of thought. I mean, you just think, what's the point? 
I mean, how can this be really good, at least for me? What's going on? I mean, when tragedies and disasters hit, I mean, at least for the victims, it's like, how do you say, well, it's really good for you? God is really, you know, you just don't see it. It's hard to, right? It has not been comforting to me, those kinds of religious, pious answers. So here's a small pastoral advice. Don't say such things to people in pain and suffering. It doesn't help. Not really. You know? Uh, made me mad. <laughs> it makes me push away God, in fact. If God is controlling all this and He's the one doing this for my good, really? And that's not really the God I want to know and be close to. That's sadistic. You know? Doesn't help my faith. Now, what's so interesting is that in the book of Job, Job's friends say all these things to Job. 40 chapters. And Job's friends try to comfort Job by giving him all these answers, all these religious, pious answers. And if you read it with open mind and not with this preconception, oh, Job's friends are bad people. If you read it with open mind, they basically come out with every religious pious answer you can think of. That passes for standard Christian answers today. It's in there. They have all, they say all those answers. And you know what happens towards the end of the book? God is so angry with Job's friends that Job had to intercede for their lives. Doesn't make God happy either. All those Christian answers. God is angry with that. Isn't that interesting? We think these are like pious religious things. God is not happy with that. We're profoundly confused about what makes God happy and what is godly. And you really read it carefully. So what do we do with all this pain and suffering then? Because basically every conceptual answer we can come up with doesn't really help. But we need answers. When we are in pain, when we are suffering, we absolutely need answers. We search for them. We cook up answers because we need them. Because in the absence of any Overarching answers, all we are left with is that list of bad, isolating thoughts that I just told you. I just some of the things that go through my mind. And those bad, negative thoughts, hey, they may seem like truth or facts, but they don't help me. That's the, that's the truth. They don't help me. In fact, they make It's harder for me to deal with pain, deal with life. Research has shown that those negative thoughts, ruminating on such things, wondering how long this will last, how unfair all this is, that makes it harder 
to deal with pain. It prolongs pain, actually. The research has shown that it actually shortens your life, literally, dwelling on these things. So whether it's true or not, whether we have a right to feel these things or not, they don't help. They will literally kill us. Research has shown that ancient spiritual practices like praying, meditating, holding on to hope, reaching out to God, connecting with people, those are the things that makes it easier to deal with pain. It makes your life expand. It brings positive things into your life. That's where we need to be. And I believe that's why the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. It takes a fight. Because if we don't fight, if, we, if just left to ourselves, then we are just going to drift towards those negative thoughts. So we have to put in some work, some time and effort, and actually fight to continue to believe that life is good and worth it, that God is good, that if I reach out to God, He is my friend, that is the fight of faith. It's not just these concepts in your head about whether God exists or not. Faith literally means to believe. To believe as opposed to what my body is telling me, to believe that God is actually my friend, that He is walking with me, that He suffers with me, that He's not just up there watching, uncaring, like a clockmaker God, testing me. That's not Jesus. Maybe that's old covenant. Maybe that's some religion. But that's not Jesus. God became one of us and walked with us. And now the name of God, literally, the name of Holy Spirit means the one who walks with us. He is here. He is walking with me in my pain. God is my friend. That's what I need to hold on to. So instead of thinking of God as this you know, controlling God who is to blame for my pain, I found that it's much better to think of pain as just something that happens in this fallen world. The pain happens. And sometimes you don't, you don't know why. You stub your toe, it hurts. You fall off a building, it's going to hurt. <laughs> and... You can't just always think about what have I done and what's the cause and if I were a better person, would I be avoiding? You can't do that. The Bible tells us God gives us His sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. This is what Jesus said. What is He saying except, you know, sometimes things just happen randomly. The sunlight and the rain, that's not in your control, he's saying. There are things that are in your control. There are consequences to our actions. 
Like, if you eat rotten food, you're going to have some tummy trouble. It's in your control. But there are some things like sunlight and the rain. Not in your control. That doesn't have cause effect that you can like, think through and wonder, hey, if God was doing this or that, could I have like, experienced better things? No, don't go there. Right? That's what... God, that's what Jesus is saying. There are areas in your life like pain that I cannot control. If you cannot control it, then you can't come up with answers. It just happens. And in the midst of all that, God is my friend. And those uncontrollable things that are just out of our control, God is walking with us in all of that. That is one of the deepest lessons of the book of Job. Towards the end of the book, God shows up. And what's so interesting about this is that God gives no conceptual, logical answer to Job. Job, throughout 40 chapters, throw out a lot of doubts and questions at God. And when God shows up, all he's saying basically is, I can sum it up in three sentences. Basically, God says to Job, I am God, you are not. (laughs) And all those answers that you're looking for conceptually, they are beyond you. That's it. That's it. I am God, you are not, and you know, there are really no answers you can understand to all your questions. But strangely enough, you will be satisfied with that. He was so angry with his friends who had all these answers for him. You know? They are not, his friends are not simpletons. They give a lot of sophisticated theological answers to Job. And Job was not happy with that. But with this, Job says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said. Job is basically saying, God, it's all been talk up to this point. I've heard about you. I've talked about you. We've been... Throwing around all these concepts about you. We've been talking and talking about what you are like, who you are like, and how life works. None of that really worked for me. But now that you are here, now that I feel your presence, right in front of me, I am satisfied. I'm good. Even though you have no answers for me, your presence Is the answer I needed. Isn't that powerful? That's the point, Book of Job, is that we need God's presence. We need God's reality. Much more than answers. The God's real presence is the answer we need. And that's been my experience in my struggle with pain. You know, I 
I study all this theology. It's my job as a pastor to read books, learn about this theology, that theology. And you know, I enjoy that. I enjoy intellectual pursuits. And so that's all been fun. But in the face of overwhelming pain, all that talk, it's not enough. I need more. They pale in the face of constant pain. They don't don't stack up. Because the pain has impacted me so deeply. For example, it's not just the pain is so hard to deal with. It just impacts everything in my life with all these walls that go up. For example, there's a wall between me and my life with all this pain. You know, my brain is always trying to check out. You know why? Because when I am present to this moment, what I feel is pain. Even now, I I have this radiating pain down my arm. That's hard to deal with. So why do I want to feel that? My brain over the last 20 years has adapted itself to be very good at checking out. It takes me to faraway places. I'm trying to live in the past or the future or some other place like, you know, Hawaii. I'm in the beach in Hawaii. I'm not here. Can you understand why my brain would do that? It does that. It doesn't want to be here. But it has such a profound impact on my life. You know, checked out is not that good. It separates me from my, wife, my life and, and the few people close to me. My kids are often angry with me because I'm checked out. Oftentimes at dinner, dinner tables, what happens is that I would say something like, Oh, yo, what are you doing tomorrow? And they would say, Dad, we were just talking about what I'm doing tomorrow. And you're asking, what what am I doing tomorrow? You know, what's happening is that my brain is checked out, but I heard something about they are doing something for tomorrow. So it's kind of like, oh, what are they doing tomorrow? Right? So I say, what are you doing tomorrow? And they've just been talking for five minutes about what they're doing tomorrow. And it's happening all the time. And so what's happened is that they feel like I don't care. I don't care about their lives. I'm not dialed in. I don't listen to them. And they are profoundly hurt. Now they have grown up enough, they can tell me these things. They say, Dad, I'm really hurt. That you don't pay attention. If I'm important to you, you would pay attention. You would know my friends' names. You would know what's happening in my school this week. But you don't. You checked out. And I have to always repeat myself. And that's been very painful for me to hear. Can you understand? As a a dad, to feel like, oh, there's a wall here. They feel like I've been pushing them away. Because my brain has been pushing me away from this present moment, it's, all, it's also pushed away 
all these people from my life. Do you see that? There is a wall that's gone up. That's really sad. And, you know, try as I, as I might, it's very difficult to reverse this. It's very difficult to fight your brain. That's subconsciously doing things with doctrines, with talk, with telling myself, do better. You know, it's not because I don't value my kids, this thing is happening. I mean, it's just, they are the most valuable things in my life, uh, the people that I love and talk only goes so far. But it's when I invite God's presence into my life in all of this. And prayer and meditation, I turn to God. I ask God for help. God, I'm in pain. I need your help. You know, instead of like, God, I hate you because you're causing all this pain. Go away. Instead of that, God, you're my friend. I'm in pain. Come into my life. Be present with me. Walk with me. When I turn my attention to God and do these spiritual practices, and I feel something rush in. It's like there's a hole between this world and some larger world. This hole gets punctured and something comes in. And there's a difference in my spirit, in my soul. And I can be more present. I mean, my wife tells me there is a difference when I am feeling connected to God's presence. When your wife tells you there's a difference in you. You know there's something going on, right? I'm able to be more present with my kids. I'm able to hear better when God is next to me as opposed to I am yelling at God. That's why faith is worth your time. That's why faith is something you ought to fight for. Because in this life, we will all experience pain. We'll all experience trauma. We'll all experience pain that will end up coloring everything in your life. We'll all experience things that put up walls, that end up spilling over, and it will affect you and change you, and it will twist you in some way. You cannot escape it. If you live in this world, this is happening. This has happened. And what are we going to do in the middle of all that? There is a larger reality where God is waiting to rush in and make a difference. God is our friend who walks with us. That that is the meaning of the cross. It's the meaning of Jesus. That is the meaning of Christian faith. To think of God in these terms the one who shares our cross with us. And when we feel his presence, it will make a difference. And so, let me give you some practical suggestions on how to fight this faith. How to fight, not fight faith, how to fight the good fight of faith. Okay, amen? You with me? Sounds good? 
So first suggestion is don't generalize pain. It's really easy for pain to color everything in life. Put up walls. So uh, in terms of physical pain, in my case, last few years, what's been happening is that I keep tweaking my back about once a year. So a few years back, for example, I picked up the phone in a wrong way. The phone rang. I was in a reclining chair. Instead of getting up and getting the phone, I just reached over and picked it up, and I felt this sharp pain down my leg. And the doctor said, well, you just popped your disc. And uh, what they told me is that When your disc is already like completely degenerated and vulnerable to popping, what you don't want to do is what I just did by picking up that phone, which is I twisted, bent, and reached. Those three movements in combination put a very particular torque on our spine. And that can just pop your disc if it's already vulnerable. Does that make sense? So they said, don't do that. I said, okay, got it. But what that's done is that instead of just thinking, all right, I've got to stay away from that specific combination of movements, I just sort of became very weary of all movements in general. I mean, if picking up the phone that's ringing can pop your disc, in my case, it's not illogical to think hey, you know, pretty much any movement is a a little dangerous for you, Charles. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up spending much of my life in bed because first, it was painful to move around and two, all movements seem dangerous. So just stay safe. Well, it turns out that was about one of the worst things I could have done. The doctors and physical therapists tell me today, yeah, that was bad you got to move around. They say, in your case, you just have to move. Any opportunity you get, you just got to move and move and move around because if you don't move around, it stiffens everything up in your body and makes everything worse. So basically what I needed to have done is to localize and personalize and make it specific. These, there are specific movements that are no good. Like I shouldn't go skiing. I shouldn't like become like a construction worker, you know? But to generalize it and to just cut off all movements, that was really bad move. But similar things can happen in all kinds of pain, emotional pain, relational pain, someone hurts us, we get in an abusive relationship with some psychopath, that can happen, right? There's a a small percentage of people who are just psychopaths in this world, right? So they can really hurt you. And the lesson out of that is, okay, when there's someone who is abusive and really psychopathic and really hurtful and they don't change, well, you got to like put up some walls and avoid those people. But what can end up happening is that it ends up becoming not just avoid that specific someone, you end up like cutting off your relationship with most people. You know, right? 
Some people are laughing. Yeah, this is what happens. When someone hurts us, we end up putting up walls against everyone. It colors everything in every relationship we have. Right? We can't do that. You have to get specific, localized. It's legitimate to put up walls and boundaries with people who are hurting us. But be as specific and localized as possible. Keep your heart open. Keep moving. Keep having relationships. Keep your heart open to people because your emotional and spiritual health depends on it. Otherwise, you will just stiffen up. Your soul will stiffen up and bad things will happen. Right? So don't generalize pain. Make sure you're not doing that. Ask yourself at different times, how is pain coloring my life? Are there ways that it's generalized? What's going on with that? Is it happening? Is there a way that walls are going up because of one relationship? In fact, I just want us to take 30 seconds to just think about that question. Think of some pain in your life. Are there any pain in your life that have become generalized? Instead of it becoming just one specific pain, it's coloring all of your life. And is it shrinking your life? Is it making your life smaller? Yeah? Let's come before God and ask God to reveal to us some of these walls that might be in our hearts. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Thanks. I'm going to just recommend that you think about this throughout this week. Now come before God with these questions. God, what painful episodes in my life have caused walls to go up? How have I generalized and cut off more than what is necessary? God, could you show me how these things are affecting my life? And God will come to you. God will show you. And your life will be a little bit lighter. It will be easier as you deal with these things. Sounds good? It's good to observe these things. It's my second suggestion. Observe your feelings. Don't just suppress them and And say, oh, those are negative thoughts. I just don't want to think about it. Just just suppress them. You know what? Those things are in there anyway. And they are like changing your brain to, to make you do things. It's affecting you. So don't just suppress them. Observe them. And this is one of the things that my therapist have recommended. It's part of this a uh, pretty big school of thought called ACT therapy that tell you to observe your feelings as if you are in a corner watching. You know, oh, Charles, you're, you're being pretty bitter today. You know, instead of just going, oh, don't think, you know, don't shake your fist at God. That's, ooh, that's blasphemy. You know, just suppress them. No, just observe. Charles, you're just pretty mad at God. 
today. All right. It's good to put it in third person pronouns because you're like observing. You know? What that does is that it helps you understand that your feelings are your feelings, they are not the reality. Feelings are legitimate. You should feel them. But they are feelings. They are not necessarily the reality. We need to be more humble than that. Right? We're not the center of the universe. Our feelings are not definition of reality. And, and, and so observe them and commit to reality. That's the C part. Commit to your values. And today I'm going to say commit to life in all its fullness. Because that's what Jesus came to give. He said, my purpose in coming is to give you life in all its fullness. That is what God is up to in our lives. He's trying to give us life. So commit to life. Don't commit to right. Do your right. Commit to life. We may feel like we have the right to feel bitter. We may feel like we have a right to check out. We may feel like we have a right to put up walls. Sure, we may have the right. What does that get us? It only gets us death and hell. Isolating, alienating things, it actually literally shortens your life. And so why insist on it? It's the right to die. Why why do that? It's the right to misery. And when I'm in that kind of space, I feel like I'm in hell. It's completely painful in every dimension. Heaven and hell is not just after death, guys. We can feel it right here. And when we are fighting that and moving towards God, a slice of heaven moves in. And it's the antidote. It it opens up your heart and your life. And so commit to that. Commit to life in all its fullness. No matter how badly you feel, you say to yourself, these are my feelings. I'm committed to life. I'm going to turn towards God. I'm going to turn towards life. I'm going to turn towards love. And God will come. He will surround you. Just as if, just as he showed up for Job, he will show up for you. And he will walk with you in your suffering. So be ruthless about that. Be ruthless about committing to life. Just ruthlessly cut out those things. You know, feel them and say, that's just my feelings. In all of this, the biggest temptation is to isolate. When these negative thoughts come, we just feel alone. We feel disappointed with other people and God. So we isolate ourselves. And isolation is something that just happens if left unchecked. So my final suggestion is commit to connecting. Share your feelings. Share these negative thoughts. Find some people in this church. Go to a life group. You know, don't just come and listen to sermons. Connect with someone. Do something about it. Share these things. And as you open up, God will come. This is why Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. It's as you connect, God's presence can flood in. All right? Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you are our 
friend. You are not just sitting up there watching, testing, causing all this pain and just seeing what we would do as if it were some experiment. That's not who you are. We know this because we believe in Jesus, that you came and shared in all those sufferings yourself. You are familiar with all our pain. You know what it's like. You walk with us. So we pray now that right now, Holy Spirit, you would come. That we'll feel your presence. That against all those wrong conceptions we have of you, that we would feel Christ, one who walks along with us, one who is sharing in our pain, and one who lightens our burdens. We pray that we would feel your actual presence, that this will go beyond just talk, that even now this week, you will become real to us, It will feel more real to us. It will feel you making a difference. In Jesus' name, I pray this for all of us sitting here, that your presence will make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.